today I'm trusting God I'm, I'm going to be able to wrap up uh, the, the teaching I started last week, you know, uh, titled, You Can Let Go of the Old Life. You Can Let Go of the Old Life. No, so last week I tried to um, reiterate that a person is not a sinner because of their actions. We we became sinners because of the sinful nature that we once had. And then after we give our life to Christ, we then receive the new nature, the very nature of God, the very likeness of Jesus in our spirit. Uh, but the old man left behind a way of thinking, a way of seeing things, a way of behavior that makes us to act like the old person, the sinner that we used to be. And as a result, many people are struggling in their Christian life and they're thinking, when are they going to overcome this life of sin? Uh, many people claim that they are sinners, you know, saved by grace. Uh, but the, what the Word of God really tells us is that we were sinners saved by grace because once you've been saved and you receive the new identity in Christ Jesus, right, you're no longer a sinner. You may sin, but that is no longer your identity. So every born-again child of God do not have the identity of a sinner. Amen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started trying to help us to understand that we have a responsibility to let go of the residue and the perception, the perspective, the philosophy, the way of thinking that the old nature left behind. Because when we're living in sin, right, uh, this our, our sinful spiritual condition, when we're still sinners, our sinful spiritual condition trained our soul to think certain way, trained our soul to see things certain way. You know, uh, we have this way of thinking, this way of approaching things. Many of us are selfish. Many of us are covetous. Many of us, you know, we, we, we think like adulterers in a sense you know when you when, when men when they see anything that looks like a woman you know they seem to lose control of their mind and many people think that's the identity many people are drunkards and they think that's the identity but that is not your identity now the very powerhouse the very nature like that drew that trained you to think and act that way has been taken away now you need to renew your mind and that's why romans 12 verse 2 tells us that we should not be conformed, we should not pattern our life after the after the old man, after this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So it tells us that the fact that you are born again does not mean that you will experience transformation in your in your soul, in your physical life. So in your spiritual life, there's been a a, a recreation. But if you actually want to experience it in your life, you know, within your soul, how you think, how you behave, the peace, the things you enjoy, how you speak, then it's me. The Bible is telling you that you need to change the way you think. You need to change the way you think. So instead instead of seeing yourself as a sinner, right, you need to see yourself as born again, new creature, And then focus on how you change the way you think so that you can experience the new life that you have now received in Christ Jesus. When you were not born again, when you were a sinner, what you were experiencing, what you were exhibiting were the attribute of the sinful nature. So it wasn't your actions that made you a sinner in the first place. It It was a spiritual condition you had at that time that made you do those things. 
And like, like I said last week, when people go around and they are preachers, you know, go on the street and preaching against gay people, I'm like, guys, are you okay? Are you thinking straight? Jesus not ask you to go and deal with people's action. People did not ask, Jesus did not ask you to go and condemn people. Because even he said in the book of John 3, 17, he said, I, he came not to condemn anyone, but that everyone through him might be saved. So if Jesus did not come to write people off, to tell people they are going to hell, right, uh, don't, don't wake me up here. Okay, I'm going to do it. Right. So, someone's just asking in their mind. So, are you saying that sinners will not go to hell? So, let me answer you. Let me ask Let me ask you. So, let, I think a question will help you. Right? Let me ask you. Who do you think hell was created for? Do you think God created hell for human beings? So, if you think God created hell for human beings, why is he so focused on getting people into his kingdom? Why is the epistles, the New Testament, even the, the messages of Jesus, why are they so focused on getting people saved? You know, if, if, if Christianity is all about hell, why do you think, then something must be wrong for Jesus to be healing the people who are not, who are not saved, who are not righteous, who are not of the house of Israel. Do you realize that there was a guy that Jesus healed and um, Jesus later saw him and said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So do you know, do you remember in the book of uh, John chapter 8 that there was a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery and Jesus did not write this woman off or say you are going to hell? Are we, are we, are we reading our Bible? Now, friends, let me tell you something. Many of us, we interpret the Bible with our own perspective, with how we would deal with situations, our ungodly perspective. Glory be to God. God is not like human beings. Many parents will deal with, many parents who are preachers, we deal with unbelievers or new babes in Christ. When I say new babes, I mean people who just give their life to Christ. Many parents will deal with people, and many pastors fall into this. Many pastors are guilty of this. They mistreat people in the church because they expect God to deal with people the way they deal with their kids. See, it is a spiritual crime for a pastor to equate himself to God when it comes to dealing with situations. So a woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Did Jesus condone adultery? No. He told the woman to go and sin no more, not to, not to continue to commit adultery. But Jesus did not outrightly declare the woman a candidate of hell. So let's begin to get our head straight when it comes to the word of God. You know, a few weeks ago, I was thinking about the Christian landscape, the, the, the Christendom. And I saw me and I could see in my mind millions and millions of Christians who do not have any clue about the gospel. They do not understand the gospel at all, but they have the badge and the name of a Christian and they go to church. And, you know, I was just kind of bothered as to how many unbelievers these people are having an impact on in terms of their distortion of the identity and the nature of God before unbelievers. Mm. Amen. I've dealt with unbelievers whom, you know, when I begin to tell them about God, the kindness of God, blah, blah, blah. They're like, I've never had things this way. You can see their countenance change. Amen. Amen. I think that's to bless someone there. I'm going somewhere. Right. So Jesus does not condone sin. Likewise, we should not try to 
uh, it did not condone sin, but it did not write people off. It didn't condemn people. So it didn't condone sin, it didn't condemn people. And he has not called us to go into the world and condemn people. So it is not appropriate that we define people or write people off because of, because of their action. So we are supposed to minister the gospel to people. And as they receive the gift of faith and believe the gospel, their spiritual condition is changed. And once their spiritual condition is changed, when they become new person, then we have a responsibility to help them to uh, transition out of the way of thinking of the world into the way of thinking of God, the way of thinking of Christ. Now, to be a Christian is a responsibility. Now, to be a Christian is a responsibility. You must know, how, not is not you should, you must know how to disciple people. Now, when Jesus sent out his, his disciples in the book of Matthew 28, he said, teaching them to, he said, now, he asked us to go into the world to make disciples of all people. He didn't ask us to make converts. He said we should teach them to obey the things he has taught us. So which in every believer must know how to obey, must know, must obey, and must know how to obey the words of Jesus. Also must know how to teach other people to obey the words of Jesus Christ. So the day you give your life to Christ, that's not the that's just the beginning of the journey of, as a Christian. Right? And it's so sad that I don't know why the Holy Spirit is leading me in this direction this morning. And it's so sad that many Christians are not thinking. With all due respect, they are not thinking. All they believe, all they know is what the man of God said to them. And what many men of God, even that I see on Facebook, I watch on TV, what many of them are saying does not go in line with the word of God. They twist the word of God. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, which means you yourself need to know Christ so that when somebody is not following Christ, you don't follow them. You don't follow them as they are not following Christ. You follow Jesus. Christians, let's think, let's wake up. It's time for us to begin to wake up to reality and know the truth about the gospel and walk in the reality of the truth not following unintelligent christians because somebody is called a pastor holy spirit why are we here okay let's carry on you see i've dealt with many christians that have been misled they have been led into destruction utter destruction uh in one area or the other of their life because the person who spoke to them called himself a pastor friends the fact that somebody called themselves a pastor and have a church and put them Look at someone. Call themselves a pastor, have a church with a name, and, and tag their name to the church does not call them a pastor. Doesn't mean they're a pastor. Now, a pastor is a person who is called by Jesus to pastor. And the Bible tells us is that it is by their fruit you shall know them. So do not judge a pastor because he calls himself a pastor. Do not judge a person, a prophet, when I say judge. Do not call them. Do not call a person a pastor, a prophet, because they call themselves one. You have to look at their fruit. Christians, can we stop all? Can we stop all of this? Is a man of God? Is a man of God? Is a man of God? On what basis? And someone like me will not even fit into the, into the criteria of the man of God because I'm wearing a t-shirt. In many instances, yeah. especially among the black community, I'm, I I don't fit the criteria of a pastor because I don't look like one. See, being a pastor, being a prophet, an apostle, it's not in how they look or how they speak. You know all those language? Oh, the Lord, the Lord is good. Or somebody say hallelujah. Oh, crap. Right? I feel, I, I can feel in my spirit that there's something in the heart of God this morning and it's kind of channeling out through me this morning because it's not, this was not on my notes at all. And, and I'm, kind of, I'm going to keep doing until there's a peace in my spirit and I can carry on my notes. So the fact that somebody calls themselves a pastor does not mean they're a pastor. 
Who is a pastor? Now, let me ask you a question. Who is a pastor? If you yourself don't know who, is a pa- who a pastor is or who a pastor should be, then how would you recognize one? If you don't know who a prophet is or who a prophet should be, then how would you recognize one? Then anyone that show up on the scene and give themselves a title, then you just believe that's who they are. And the confusion and the manipulation and the abuse going on in the church in many church circles today tells me that people do not know who a pastor is or what a pastor is meant to do. If you want to know who a pastor is, go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 15. Because the pastor is meant to train you, not meant to use you. A pastor is meant to train you to do what God has called you to do. A pastor is meant to help you discover your calling in Christ Jesus. A pastor is meant to help you discover your identity in Christ Jesus. A pastor is not meant to win you onto his side so that he can use you and pop- to use you to populate his church and show people that he has membership. No. A pastor is not meant to manipulate you. A pastor is not meant to oppress you. A pastor is not meant to rule your life for you. So some church members, they're thinking, why am I not so involved in their life? Or asking them, where are you going on Tuesday? Did you tell me you were traveling? It ain't my business. God has not called a pastor to rule your phase of your personal life. God has called a pastor to teach you the word of God, to teach you about your identity, to train you to become who God has called you to be and to guide you to create the atmosphere, the environment for you to grow, to teach you the word of God. Those are the roles and responsibility of a pastor to give you direction as to spiritual life and to teach you how to apply the principles of God in your daily life, not to control your life. Amen. Amen. So when you don't, and there's much more. So when you don't know these things, then anyone who shows up on the scene with a tag, with a name, you then embrace them as a pastor and say, he's a pastor. Okay, let's be asking to sit down because that was not right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Amen. If there's more, I'll, 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 I'll bring them out. Amen. Amen. Can we continue this break? Can I continue my note now? Okay, let's carry on. So, back to where I stopped before I was asked to deliver a message. Now, so... Everyone who is a believer, right, still have still have this way of thinking of the old man, of a sinner, and um, we all need to train ourselves to let go. Of, now, the, the good news, the good news is this: you can let go of the old man. So, when we're talking about the old man here, we're talking about the behavior, the mannerisms, the propensities, sinful propensities that the sinful man left behind. So, even though we are now newborn again, many of us still see ourselves as. Um, Many of us to see ourselves as that's in that, uh, you know, but you can let go of that person. You can let go of that identity that's been imposed on you, on your mind by the old nature. You can let go of that identity. So when I say you can let go of that, or you can let go of the old life, you can let go of the old lifestyle of the, of the sinful man. So if you still see yourself as that sinner, I'm saying to you this morning that you can let go of the old man. If you still think that you are that old man, you can let go of it. But bear in mind, the old man is gone. You now have a new man. And if you don't see yourself that way as an old man, but still see yourself struggling with that lifestyle, so I'm saying to you, you can let go of the old life. So the nature, the spiritual nature that drives the old life is gone. Now you can let go of the lifestyle that the old nature introduced and trained you in. Right, so um, so last week I talked about the destructive impact of sin. And today, I want to wrap up 
by showing us how to let go of the whole life. Also, more importantly, I want to I want to reinforce a message in your mind that you can let go. Because it's not something that will happen overnight. It's not something that will happen in one day. But I want to leave a word of assurance to you that you can let go of the whole life. Whatever addiction, whatever uh, whatever whatever you're struggling with, whatever controls you and doesn't help you to do what God has called you to do, whatever to, takes your freedom away, you can let go of it. The power is in you. The ability has been given to you. You know, let's look at First Peter two eleven. It says, uh, "My divinely loved friends." Since you are resident aliens, you know what? Let me read First Peter two eleven. Let me read the NIV. First Peter two two eleven. Said, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Said those. Sinful desires, those things that tend to control us. The Bible is telling us here that they wage war against our soul. I think it's important that we see that these things that seem to be pleasurable sometimes are actually destroying us. They are destroying you. So the Bible calls it. Because until you are able to recognize the destructive impact of sin, you may not want to lay it down. Because because if sin is not emotional, if it's not, it does not feel pleasurable, people will not do it. So it's important now that we then train our mind to see sin, the pleasures of sin, as, as death. And they are coming after our soul to make us people that we are not. To retain an identity of the old man. Whom we have, whom have been taken out of us when we give our life to Christ. Amen. So it's important that we recognize those sinful desires, anger, hatred, bitterness, covetousness, and all those kind of evil things that just want you to just, you know, just, just <laughs> to act like the devil. And some people just, they, they take pleasure in the fact that they, 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 they block other people from making progress. They block other people from succeeding. Right. I, I have many of those kind of people in, in places that I've worked in, in the past. They just take pleasure in it to see that you are not progressing, whether because of your race or, the, for, or for any reason. You just take joy in it. I get to me. Many people are born again too, still have those desires. And the Bible says that this thing is there to destroy you. You know, sometimes when you get back at people, you attack people and you're like, I did it for them. Yes, I, made, I gave them a piece of my mind. I talked him down. I did this. And you feel justified in it. The Bible is saying that in as much as you're feeling... Um, there's a word I'm looking for. Even though, even though you are feeling good about it, you know, you feel good about yourself, the Bible is saying to you that that attitude whereby you kill and destroy other people to make yourself feel good is killing yourself. And until we realize that many of those things are destroying our soul, we will not even start the journey to lay them aside because we enjoy them. Amen. So verse 12 says, uh, leave such good lives among the pagans that though pagans are unbelievers, uh, pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. 
So the Bible is telling us that one I want to call out there is this, that those ungodly desires and things like that, mm. they destroy our soul. The Bible says the witch war. You know what it is? The witch war. No. Someone give me a definition of war. Maybe, maybe that will help us this morning. So let's look at the definition of war. Um, it said, and I said, a state of armed conflict between different con- uh, countries or different groups within a country. But what the first line is what I want to focus on: a state, a state of armed conflict. So those desires are ruining you. They have weapons, ammunitions to destroy you. They are conflicting. They are fighting against something that is already in you. So on the basis of that verse alone, if it's if what you if embracing sinful desires, right, is a kind of a, is, is waging war against your soul, which is kind of a state of armed conflict, it means there's something already inside of you. That's different to that. So pleasure, sinful desires are coming in, which many people embrace as their identity. But the Bible is telling us that it's actually conflicting with something deep down within you. And that thing within you is the nature of Christ, is the nature of holiness already in you. So you are a holy being and then you got to deal with those things that want to ruin your soul and make you um, put on an identity that's not yours. James 1.20 one, uh, let's quickly go there. James one twenty one to twenty five. James one twenty one. So I'm reading the New King James version. It says there. It said, "Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent." You know. What I said, the focus of my message is, is to encourage you and to help you see that you can let go, that you have the power, you have the ability to let go of the whole life, right? And uh, James is saying to it, saying here that you should get rid. So if the, when the Bible tells you to get rid of something, it means God has given you the ability to get rid of it. See, some, some sinful behavior, sinful desires are kind of thing that seems to have been controlling our life for many years. Uh, and seems that we can't overcome them is a lie. That thought that you cannot come out of it, that thought that you cannot overcome is a lie. Believers, we must learn to live by faith, not by feelings. Because when some things are triggered in our emotions, it looks like you know this is a reality. But it's not true. The fact that your mind and your brain has been, have been trained or programmed to, to feel that way does not mean that that's the reality of you or the true you. And that's why we must understand that, that we are a spirit who have a soul and live in a body. You are not your soul. You are not your feelings. You are not your emotions. You are a spirit. The power of God dwells in your spirit. The ability of God dwells in your spirit. We all need to train ourselves to know how to release the, the power of God in our spirit to lay aside all ungodly desires so that we can experience the life of God in us. Amen. When you give your life to Christ, you became a new person, but the new person is not your new soul. It's a new spirit. That's what the Bible says, that you need to change the way you think. Now, the way you think, right, is, is part of your soul. Your mindset is part of your soul. So the way you think doesn't change because you give your life to Christ. You then have to train yourself to think differently so that you can act differently. Amen. So 
the Bible says there, say, therefore get rid of all moral feud and uh, the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save your soul. Can you say that now? So many people, they think that when they give their life to Christ, their, their soul is saved. You know, you hear things like, uh, how many souls, we want souls to Christ, we want souls to Christ. Now, when you go to the book of Acts, when the Bible says that a, a certain 3,000 souls were added to the body of Christ, what actually means is human beings. So soul in that context was used as to represent human beings, but it, it, is, it does not mean that particular word, soul, used in that context did not it was not referring to your your mind your will and your emotions right it does not refer to your mind your will and emotions because the bible is making a clear difference here about your soul so because james here is talking to believers so he's saying that you should take you should accept the word of god when planted in you is able to save your soul but you but you were saved you give your life to christ so when we say um, we win. We win souls to Christ. We should bear in mind that it was not their soul that has been saved. We are talking about people being saved. I repeat, when we say we win souls to Christ, we are talking about people, and it's, it's and that should be in the context of the term, the word used in the book of Acts chapter two, right? But when it comes to the soul of a person, according to First Thessalonians five twenty three, that we have a we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in the body. When it comes to the soul of a person, which is the which is a combination of the mind, the will, and the emotion of the person, I repeat, when it comes to the soul in the person, right? It's the word of God that can save that soul, that can transform that soul, right? So because the Bible tells us here that when one of the ways you can or how. I'll put it how. How you can live a transformed life. How you can experience the new life in Christ Jesus in your outward life is when you receive the implanted word, when you receive the word of God into your soul. When you accept it, you embrace it. You choose to disregard what you see on Netflix. All the evil and the practices that have been projected to you. When you choose to believe what the word of God says is reality, is a truth. If you, if you, if you, if you make the word of God to be final authority in your life, if you allow the word of God to trump every evil and every ungodly advice that the word gives to you, it will change you. And how you achieve that is by paying attention to the word of God. See, I said earlier on, what you pay attention to most defines your identity, how you see yourself, determines what, what is reality to you. Friends, if you keep binging on Netflix all manner of evil movies that should not call their title. The people have told me about them, right? Your the reality of your mind will be evil. You will see the world through the lens of evil, and you've been wondering why God is not real to you. You've been wondering why, you know, you can't pray. You're wondering why you seem you don't seem to have faith. You've been wondering why your your soul is so much is filled with so much lust and ungodliness because that is what you fill your mind with. You are born again, and nothing can change that right but if you want to experience the life of god in you you have to drop those trash and intentionally focus on the word of god which is able to save your soul renew your soul transform your soul because if the word of god de defines your philosophy your 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 there's a word i'm looking for your, your frame of mind 
Right? So if the word of God defines your frame of mind, if the word of God, if the word of God is a reality, you will look at life through the through the lens. That's what through the lens of the word of God. Because when the word, when the world around you, the system of the world around you speaks death, fear, defeat to you, because you are God word minded, you speak life. So, what is dominating your mind? What is clouding your judgment? What's, what's defining your perspective? Through which lens are you looking at the world? I tell you, the lens with which you look at the world is defined or created or manufactured by what you pay attention to. And I'm, I, you see, I, I've experienced this. I'm not, I'm not just preaching. I'm not just teaching. I'm telling you the reality. Times when in my life that all I watched were just all manner of movies. All I see, how I define life, how I look at women, was based on the reality that the movies as play as 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 um as what's it called the, the reality of what the movies has painted to me, which is a lie. And this is ruining marriages because many young girls and many young men, you know, they got their own definition of marriage and how what marriage should look like from novels and from 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 lies they see on movies. And it's not a reality. It's no. They said they live happily ever after. Really? Until you get inside and realize that they're having issues on how to press the toothpaste. Stuff are going on, mate. Amen. So we have to intentionally embrace the word of it. It will be hard, I must confess to you, because when I was making the transition, it was difficult. Because there are times I feel like going to watch a movie and everything wants to watch a movie and I have to intentionally look for something else you know, which is the word of God, something positive, something godly to read or to think on. Even I'm, I'm buying some Christian movies now and I'm going to keep recycling them. You know, last week, I'm so pressed for time. You know, um, well, last week I, I I was saying to my wife that, you know, I, I slept very well. Like, you know, I slept well because um, I started, I started, even some 12, we used to watch 12 rated movies and I said, you know what, some 12 rated movies are actually unhealthy for my mind so i started buying movies from kendrick brothers i don't have uh, stocks in um in their in their in thing but i they carry life you know many of the movies I started buying the movies so you know okay i watched there's another christian um tv guys that i watch now they, 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 they're acting not the kendrick brothers the other guys maybe not be as professional as hollywood but the question is this the professionalism of hollywood what good has it done to me other than give me death so I'd rather watch the ones that don't seem to be professional, but if they have good storyline and make sense as a biblical, I'll, I'll watch, I'll manage it, we'll keep praying for them, we can support them, we'll support them so that they can become, they, they can be more professional in their acting, right? But what I'm trying to call out here is to help you see and place so much value on life and your peace and your joy. What you are paying attention to is training your brain, is programming your mind to see things in a certain way. And how you see things is the way you will respond, is the way you will act. Amen. So, the Bible tells us here that we should embrace the word of God. We should humbly accept the word of God that is able to save our soul. That's a verse 20, 21. It said, uh, I'll take 21 again. It said, Therefore, get rid of all moral fear than the evil that is so prevalent and, hum and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Another way to look at that is the word of God has implanted in you. The new the life of Christ is in you. The Bible tells us that you, your spirit knows all things, right? The, now you need to then train your mind by reading the word of God, acting on the word of God, so that you can see the life of God, or the life of God planted in you, so that your soul can be saved. 
so that you can you can experience sanity, peace, and joy. Amen. Uh, verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Don't just come to church on Sunday, hear the word, and that's it. He said, Do what it says. I was saying to my church family members, I say, you know, sometimes when I'm speaking to some of you um, during the week, some things you guys say, it is not exposing my church family, but I'll just say it. Some things that some of you say it shows that you did not you've not gone back to 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 listen to the message again, or maybe you didn't hear it. And I encourage them to ensure that they watch the Sunday service again at least once in the week. Because hearing it once does not mean that you hear you, even myself, when I was listening to Andrew Omak on, on last week, Thursday and Friday, you know, I just kind of decided to just have a, a downtime and just, you know, refresh myself and be fed as well. And um, even as I was listening to Andrew and I rewind <laughs> to hear what it says, I had it differently. And when I said differently, it's because there were one or two words they said that I mixed out. Because my brain was still processing an information or something that I shared. So, I, I decided to listen to those messages like five times or even much more. Because each time I come back to it and listen to it, I'm hearing something. I was like, well, I didn't hear that first time. I didn't hear that first time. I didn't hear that first time. I get to me. So, it's not about hearing it once and you think that's it. Some people, if I use... to I said, let's, let, uh, letting go of the whole life. Right? You can let go of the whole life. If next day, I title another service, a service as let go of the whole life. I know some people will switch off automatically. Say, I've had it before. You've had it before, but are you acting according to it? If you look at your lifestyle and what was taught in the message, have you been able to practice or are you practicing it? So listen to it once. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, we've got to finish this message today. So Holy Spirit, so, so listen to it once will not do you good. You have to meditate on it. You have to practice it. You take action points from what was taught in church. Provided you are going to a good church, and now I'm going to be more, kind of more brutal people and very direct. Provided you are going to the right church, because I've been to churches whereby they tell me to go out to wash my feet and to go and walk barefooted in my house to trample on my enemies. Rubbish. Amen. So provided you are, in the, you are going to a good church, right? Whatever the pastor teaches according to the word of God, not what he thinks in his mind, but what I'm showing you right now, whatever he teaches you, action point, what will I do this week differently? How will I improve this week? So I'm saying to you, one of your action points this week is those Netflix movies that you got to stop watching because they are programming your mind for destruction. A brother or a sister is speaking to you and you are, as they are speaking to you, asking you questions about the Lord Jesus, your brain is, is busy sizing them. Will he make a good husband? Will he make a good wife? How will he sound in? You know, you know, you know how you guys think. How will he do this? How he sings, you know what I'm talking about. How you guys think? Because... What you have in your brain is junk when it comes to that particular aspect. And when you are supposed to be given a spiritual response, you don't even know whether the person is your husband, you are looking at them ungodly, carnally, with a dirty look in your mind because your mind has been saturated with junk. So if a Christian actually really wants to experience the life of God, they must be willing to put their nose, their eyes in the word of God. Write it on the tablet of their heart. Put it in front of them. Those movies are killing you. So action number one for the week. Which movies are you going to cut off? Which? The movies you're watching, can you watch them with Jesus sitting next to you? It's a question. The movies, your favorite movies on Netflix, can you watch them with Jesus sitting next to you? If you can watch them and then they bring the matter to me to assess the movie 
And if they are dirty and you have the balls to go to water with Jesus, then we have a problem with you. We need to, we need to arrange 21 days fasting and praying for you because something is not right. Please, please, I didn't plan for this. Help me. Amen. Five minutes. Oh Lord Jesus, why are we here? <laughs> okay, this is this is an amazing thing about, about Sunday service. We, it's not like Transformers Connect or um some conferences or some Bible programs that we run. Because when it come when it comes to Sunday service, the Lord wants to speak to the heart of the people. You know, and as a pastor, I can't I can't do my own thing. I have to do what asks me to do. So where that kind of like holy anger is coming from, I don't even understand because it, it, it's not even on my radar this morning. I was not even thinking in this direction. But the Lord is speaking to someone today because you've been fasting, you've been praying. You fast and pray as a religious lifestyle, but you are not walking in the steps of righteousness. You are not divorcing yourself from, from the communication and engagement with the world. And you're wondering why your lifestyle as a Christian is not, is not, is not reflecting what, you, what the Bible says. Because what the Bible says is just in your head. It's not in your soul. So and as some, some people, as they're watching me right now, they'll take the word of God into their head. And after service, they go and watch all manner on Netflix. Fear, horror, and all kind of stuff. Seduction, lust, and all kind of stuff. And then they wonder on way by Wednesday, ah, Lord, why? Lord, why? God is not speaking to me. God is speaking to you louder than you think. You are the one not hearing. Who are you talking to? I don't know. <laughs> God is speaking to us louder than we think. We are the one not hearing. Can your own child ask you a question that will help their life or that would rescue them from that destruction? And you will have the answer and you will not tell them. If you as a natural parent would not hold back the information they need, how do you think less of God? You know when people say God is not speaking to me, how to hear? I'm thinking, I don't understand. Do you know how loving and how beautiful, amazing God is as a father? But what's the problem? We're still in James chapter 1, verse 21, 22. We are not with humility accepting on a continuous basis the word of God which is able to save our soul. And when you don't accept it or make it the final authority in your life, you cannot act on it. Amen. One second, let me finish. Let me read it to 25. Now, verse 23 says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. That's another like, kind of like one or two week service for that one. I mean, that's that line, verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at himself, his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. I stretch those verses because they are loaded. <laughs> Amen. They are so loaded. And I feel, 
I should not make the next statement. Hell's going to be here for the next 15 minutes. So we have a lot to, to deal with here. So let's stop at verse 22. It said, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So your action for this week. What are the things in your life? What communication messages are inoculating you from the reality of God's word? When I say inoculating, isolating you, holding you back, not making the word of God a reality to you. What's more real to you? Is it the life of God or the worldliness you surround yourself with? Friends, I wish I have the skills to and the anointing, you know, permit to use the word anointing here, to show you how much death is going into our brain by those nonsense we are watching on those movie streaming devices. I wish you can see how dangerous those things are. So if Friday is your movie night, if you usually watch 15 rated movies, 18 rated movies, next week Friday, I can give you movies to watch. You can watch Courageous, you can watch Overcomer, you can watch maybe War Room, and some Christian movies. And then assess your sleep. Now, today is Sunday, so you have not gone too far from last week Friday. So when you woke up on Saturday, what was running in your brain? What was your... I mean, what could you see when you wake up in the morning? Right. So next week Friday, if you remember Friday is a movie night, right, watch one of those Christian movies. And on Saturday, compare how well you slept next Friday night and last Friday night. And that's just a, a very simple litmus test. So, if what you watch could affect your sleep and make you sleep well, imagine how much damage they are doing to you, those bad stuff, as you embrace them as your lifestyle. Friends, the world is killing us with those dead content. And a time must come, and this is the time, that we must put a stick in the ground, put our foot down and say, you know what, you guys ain't going to destroy me anymore. Amen. Friends, we look forward to having you joining us on Wednesday, my wife and I, the Transformers Connect. The Transformers Church, we are taking, you know, you can. some of you can tell from our messages, uh, and I've been teaching on Sunday services, uh, things have changed, and I, I know. And when things were, was about to change, I knew. Um, I decided to really focus on what God is calling us to focus on. Or, no, okay. I decided to focus on what God asked us to do as a church and as a pastor, and I see things changing. You know, I've been, there have been less stress, more hard work, um, as God is, because God, you know, specifically called me to help the believers, you know, to discover the identity in Christ and walk in it. Another thing He told me to do is to help believers to see the reality of a Christian life. Many people are Christians by name, by tag, but the Christian, the Christian journey, Christian life, is not real to them. And that's why there's no seem, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any difference between themselves and the world. And this is what God is calling me to do and what I've decided to give myself to the Lord uh, in doing. So guys, um, Wednesday, connect myself and my wife. We have a lot of stuff coming up. At some point, we're going to get rid of catch-up. And then we begin to do something called uh, Discover and Become Podcast, uh, which is targeted, I mean, like really directed, di directed and targeted uh, to help and believe us to see the reality of our identity in Christ 
and to act and to see the lies of the devil in our mind and as we form a community we stand our ground strengthen one and strengthen one another stand our ground against the death that the enemy is imposing on us and um, become who god has called us to be so um stay connected stay tuned for announcements that yeah i don't i've not decided when that's going to go off but we're getting some equipment in to help us do that and we're trusting god for a team so if god is speaking to you um about how you can help us there's so much work we can do there's so much work um we need hands on in, in transformers church from media and not just media in terms of like working camera there's a lot uh, uh connect equipping the, the 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 believers there's a lot of work on ground so if god is speaking to you stop holding back there's work to do on the surface it might look like we don't have uh we don't need hands in doing something we have a lot I get him, and this is a serious mission. From things I've shared this morning, you can tell, as you are sensitive in spirit, you can tell that there's a lot coming out. There's a lot ahead of us because if you can feel the heartbeat of God, you can see that God wants to literally kind of snatch people out of the hand of the devil uh, because they will not let go, and God just have to. And how God's going to do that is through you and I. Amen. So we look forward to hearing from you guys. Enjoy the rest of the day and have a blessed week. Don't forget, mind what you watch on this week. God bless you.